Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. I just thought of sort of three things that where I get good ideas. One is when I'm in a shower. The second one is when I'm playing my guitar. And the third one is when I'm fishing. And part of the reason for me when I'm doing those things is they totally occupy my mind. So when we sleep on something, when we defer, we tend to push some of that decision-making onto our intuitive system because our rational system is doing something else like sleeping or thinking about some other problem. We are just as prone to this as anyone else. And so to you know, the point that you're making, let me agree with you as strongly as I can, test it for sure. Don't forget to download the one-page podcast summary, which highlights the key takeaways and the recommended actions. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. We hope it's of use. So Colin, I'm going to tell you about some interesting research that was done a few years ago. Okay. So this was a group of Dutch researchers. Is there any significant in the fact they're Dutch? No. Just okay. trying to make the story more interesting. <laughs> Dutch people are renowned to be interesting. Inherently interesting <laughs> to their cores. Let me tell you a little anecdote. Can I tell you a little anecdote? Could I stop you if I try? No, you can't. Okay. I've, I've found this fascinating, actually. Have you ever heard of Dutch courage? I have, but I can't remember what it means right now. So it's interesting and a little bit relevant to where we are today. Apparently, during the Black Plague in the UK... Uh-huh. Yeah. Obviously, London, there were no ships going down into London to feed the population because of the Black Plague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only people that would sail down to provide food to the UK and to Londoners at the time were Dutch, hence the name Dutch Courage. What an inherently interesting thing for Dutch people to have done, going yes. back to my point that the Dutch are interesting. And apparently... They now, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what we were told on the tour that we did. Apparently, they now enjoy some form of privileges still dating back to those those Naval privileges? Yeah. Well, some type of docking or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, it's interesting. I always find this sort of where, where words come from and phrases come from actually quite interesting. Anyway, this is a customer experience podcast. So what was you going to say? It doesn't say? have to be, though. Like we, can... <laughs> we are now a, a Dutch trivia and <laughs> etymology, the, the root history of root words podcast. And averagely, Dutch people are the tallest nation in the world. That I knew. Did you know that? Yeah, that I knew because I've been to amsterdam and never felt smaller in my life than when dutch women were towering over me as i walked the street <laughs> yeah so that's interesting as well and also just terribly nice people yeah love, they love are amsterdam. very good yeah let's abandon our topic <laughs> today and just talk about the dutch we love the dutch why not and one of the interesting things about the dutch i think you'll agree is the research in psychology that they do 
Excellent. How was that for transition? Yeah. Great link. Yeah. (laughs) To to the three people still listening at this point, thank you. All right. So this study, it was based on the the idea, I'm sure you've heard the advice that you should sleep on it. If you want to make a good decision, you should let it rest. So they actually, they put a version of that to the test. They gave people a complex decision. Uh, one of the versions, they, they had to choose among a set of apartments and they gave them a bunch of information about each of these apartments, like 10 or 12 pieces of information. And then people had to make a decision and, and they had several conditions. Uh, so one of them, they had to make a decision immediately. So here's all this information information overload. Now make your choice. Another one, they had people sit and think about it for a while and then make the decision. And then the third condition, they distracted people. So you had to to work on something else for a few minutes and then come back and make your choice. Right. A lot of decisions that we make in life are subjective. Like there's no right answer. This was not that. There there was a best apartment to choose. They, They stacked the deck in favor of one. So they were interested in how likely were people to choose the best apartment. And the condition that resulted in the greatest number of of correct choices was this one where they distracted people for a few minutes. So they gave you all the information and then they kind of forced you to, to quote, sleep on it. They had you doing something else entirely so you couldn't think about it, but your, your intuitive system could process that information. They ended up making more right decisions. And the worst condition was where they had people think about it. So here's all the information now. Spend a few minutes and really think about what you just saw. Right. And the reason people in that condition made the worst decisions is the second topic that we'll be talking about today, uh, apart from the interestingness of Dutch people, which is uh, focalism or the the focusing illusion. And what happens is when you you get a bunch of information in like that, especially our, our rational systems tend to grab at one or two points of information and make the decision based on that instead of on the the breadth of the information in front of us. We tend to focus and overweight certain pieces of information in our decision instead of incorporating all of the information that should be used. Right. So basically, this is how people, customers, make choices. And what we're basically saying is that, uh, and I'm repeating this just to make sure that I've understood this, what we're basically saying is that if people sleep on it, then they make a better choice because they're not just focusing on one or two aspects of it. Whereas if you ask them to sit down and think about it for an hour and then make a choice, they may be, I don't know, if they're buying a flat, and let's continue the theme with them, uh, London and the Thames, etc. The view is great, so they're focusing just on the view. They're not focusing on the fact that it doesn't have any bathrooms or anything like that. That's exactly it, right? And some of this links into to a topic that we've we've talked about many times before, which is that we have these two systems that we use to make decisions. We have an intuitive system and a rational system, and we use both of these systems. But one of the things that our intuitive system is better at is incorporating large amounts of information and kind of putting that together. So when we sleep on something, when we defer, we tend to push some of that decision-making onto our intuitive system because our rational system is doing something else like sleeping or thinking about some other problem. Our rational system, as you just said, very easily grabs onto one or two pieces of information and then just 
overemphasizes that. So you ignore the fact that it's in a really bad neighborhood and inconvenient traffic because you're overemphasizing the fact that the view is so great. So this is interesting because it, I'm thinking about tying in a few other things. Okay, so let me explain what I mean. So we know that when you go to sleep, effectively, your brain is sorting things out, isn't it? Yep. It's saying, okay, that bit goes over there, that bit goes over there, there's a memory, oh, no, you're not going to need that, throw that away or whatever it may be. And it's effectively processing all of that day's data and parceling it up into folders or whatever you want to call them. And then the next morning, what you're saying is because it's done that, then then people are making better choices. Yeah. Now, now we don't want to over-apply this bit of research. This won't be true of all decisions. But yes, one of the things that your intuitive system does, and it happens during sleep, but also, you know, in these studies I'm telling you about, they didn't actually have people go home and sleep and then come back. They just distracted them for a few minutes. They occupied their rational system with things. And even in those circumstances, things came out better. There's another bit of research, and this dates back to the, the 1970s or earlier. There's a lot of research that shows that job interviews are terrible. They're just a terrible way of making a decision. And some of that is due to focalism. Some of that is due to us overemphasizing things that don't matter. That's one type of decision-making where this manifests. This has been studied over and over again. It turns out that experts make worse decisions in almost every case than just a dumb regression model. So if you give people, and they've done this with, with job applicants, with student applicants to, to university, they've done it with doctors making medical decisions. If you give a packet of information to an expert, so like evaluate the student and here's their GPA and here's their test scores and here's the essay that they wrote. And, and if you give that to an expert and have them evaluate it, or if you just put it into a, a model that has a certain weight established for each of these criteria, almost always the model will make a better decision. And the reason is people overemphasize small pieces of information instead of looking at all of the information as a whole. Right. This actually could be the reason that I have my best ideas in the shower. Yeah. And I guess what I'm what I'm hearing you say is, and again, if, if I just think about this personally, I just thought of sort of three things that, where I get good ideas. One is when I'm in a shower. Mm-hmm. Second one is when I'm playing my guitar. Mm-hmm. And the third one is when I'm fishing. Yep. And part of the reason for me when I'm doing those things is they totally occupy my mind of what I'm doing, if you like. And therefore, I'm completely, my brain's occupied with something else. And because of that, suddenly you'll be having a shower, going fishing, whatever it may be, playing the guitar, and suddenly you go, bloody hell, I think that's a good idea. And then you're off, basically. I think those are great examples. Focalism can lead to mental blocks where we just, we can't get around something because our rational system is so occupied focusing on that thing. A lot of people have breakthroughs when they're driving for the same reason, right? Your your rational system's occupied with making the decisions that, that you're making on the road. And so your intuitive system can kind of put these things together. We've talked about memories before and how memories are this network structure. And all of that is the intuitive system putting ideas together, putting memories together in that case. The intuitive system is very good at integrating information and figuring out where it goes. The rational system is good for lots and lots of things. We don't want to impugn our fine rational systems. But 
they're limited. Rational systems are great for focus, and that's one of the strengths of them. One of the weaknesses of them is they're great at focus. They'll tend to zero in on certain things. This wouldn't be a huge problem if we always zeroed in on the most important stuff. But usually, we tend to overemphasize the most salient or available or easy to process information. And that's what we overemphasize. And and that means that we get a blinkered or a limited view of the problem as a whole. So one of the things, again, we've talked about in the past is, you remember working with the home improvements company Mm -hmm. when people were going around in the evening and selling to them, then the next day you wake up and you think to yourself, well, maybe I shouldn't have bought that. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. Now, part of that was around the fact that people were tired and therefore not necessarily making the right choices. And that goes into intuitive and rational, therefore being distracted and tired, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess from what you're saying here, part of that is actually just people sleeping on it and thinking about it. So you could argue, and this is an interesting argument, you could argue that you shouldn't try and close a customer on that evening or if you're asking them to make a complex choice you shouldn't try and close that customer now i'm sure i'm talking to myself now am i but i'm i'm, I'm just thinking these things through. when colin gets into an argument with himself the rest of us just step back <laughs> you, you, you. Yeah. listen i'm just gonna go and have a sleep and then i'll tell you what I, my thoughts are on this no but i was thinking if i was talking to a salesperson that salesperson would be saying, no, 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 you've really got to close that customer there and then you can't afford for them to think about it and do all those things. But I guess in reality, the danger with that is you're forcing them to make a choice that's not necessarily good for them. So probably the customer-centric approach is to turn around and say, we want you to think about it. We want you to think about those things to make a good choice. Yeah, I'd hesitate to say that uh, salespeople should or should not do this because it depends on a few additional factors, one of which is the extent to which it's good for the salesperson versus good for the, the customer. Yeah, But also, it, it also depends on the complexity of the decision. So if it is a, a complex decision with a lot of different types of information that need to be integrated, then yes, on average, customers will make better decisions and decisions for which they will in the long term be happier if they have some time and space to kind of allow their intuitive system to integrate that information. If they have to make decisions rapidly or in a a very high pressure situation where your rational system is really trying to justify things and really trying to work through things, on average, people are going to fall victim to this focalism, this focal illusion, where they will overemphasize certain parts of information, and usually that will lead to worse decisions. So when you talk about overemphasizing certain information, is that driven by the customer, or could that be driven by, this case, the salesperson? Very good question. By definition, it is the customer. So it is the person making the decision who puts the weights on those decisions. But that can be very easily influenced by what's going on around them. So if the salesperson really talks a lot about some feature, then it's going to be very difficult for customers to ignore that entirely 
and say, no, 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 we've got to integrate all this other information. So if a, if a car salesman really emphasizes the miles per gallon or whatever, then it's going to be very difficult for people to not focus on that in their decisions, that that, that information is going to be overweighted. The danger, like <laughs> the most natural way for customers to fight back against that is for them to then overweight some other piece of information to compensate. So yeah, the miles per gallon are great, but the the safety is not as good. And so I'm going to focus on that instead. Both of those are still focalism. Um, they're just overemphasizing one piece of information instead of overemphasizing another. When again, usually the best decisions are made by integrating the information. One of the ways of doing that is by allowing the intuitive system more distracted time to process that information. So go and do something else, go and sleep, go and focus on something else, and then come back to it and see if you have a different perspective. We all know how important employee engagement is in creating a great customer experience. In my new book, Happy Employees Make Happy Customers, I detail out what you should be doing to emotionally engage with your employees, and I share a number of examples of what other organizations are doing. For our podcast listeners, we are pleased to offer a 50% discount on the retail price. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy and use promotional code podcast50. That's podcast50. I hope you enjoy the book. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because from a commitment perspective, and I'm talking about more of a long-term commitment perspective, I could make an argument that letting the customer make a choice and not trying to push them to make a decision instantly. I mean, a, a, a car is a good example. Again, you know, buying a car, the perceived wisdom is is if you let the customer walk out the showroom without them signing up, right. then you're going to lose the sale. But actually, from a I'm really committed, I'm really happy with my decision, you're actually better for them to spend time in thinking about it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Now, again, the reality of sales is such that oftentimes if the person walks out without making a decision, they won't come back. And so again, I hesitate to say that that salespeople should should always do this. But what you're saying is exactly true. If it is a complex decision, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, the customer will in the long term be happier with the decision and will make a better decision for themselves if they're given more time to process it without actively thinking about it and making a decision immediately. Let me tell you about another study. This one is another one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite non-Dutch psychology studies. Let me put it that way. Oh, there are such things. There are. There? And they, you know, they're not as interesting, not being Dutch, <laughs> but they're still okay. <laughs> this one was also, I think, run in the 1970s. So one of the ways that you can encourage focalism, that you can drive it up in the decision-making, is by asking people to justify their decisions. Because that that activates the rational side, right? If I ask you, why are you choosing this thing? You like to use the the quote about people deciding emotionally and justifying rationally. Justification is a rational process. And so you're focusing people on that way of making decisions. And that way of making decisions focuses people on a few easy to justify attributes. So what they did is they took these undergraduates, gave them a choice of, of these five, I think five or six different posters. And some of them were artwork, 
posters and some of them were, were like humorous, like kind of cartoon poster type of things. And they asked people to justify, to write down the reasons why they liked or didn't like each of the posters. And then they got to pick their favorite poster and take it home. Other people, they just showed them the posters and said, pick one and take it home. And so one thing that they found is that the people who had to justify their choices were more likely to choose the humorous posters than the art posters. Because the fact that the poster was funny or clever or witty was an easier justification than the fact that, you know, it's pretty, I kind of like the trees, I guess. And more, more obvious. More obvious, exactly. And so they focused in on that when they made their decision. They then followed up with these people later, a couple of weeks later, and said, do you still like the poster? Did you hang it up in your dorm room? Do you still have it around? And it was the people who didn't justify their decisions who were happier with the poster. The more abstract, the more integrative decisions made for a better decision in the long run. Right. Interesting. So because they would have either felt the reason they were making, I don't know, it's that classic phrase, isn't it, of I know what I like. Yeah. I can't necessarily articulate to you why it is I like this. And I guess there's part of me that's going, actually, and if I do articulate to you the real reason that I like this, then you may think that that's silly. Even if you're not judged by others, you may end up liking it less because you're now focusing on one thing. Whereas your enjoyment might have been because of many things that were all kind of integrated together. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? From a, because then you start thinking from a social perspective. If you had a load of people saying that poster's great, that poster's great, that would have clearly influenced their decision as well. Yes, it? very much. Yep. There are other studies that, that indicate that's true as well. And when you start to look at it then from a customer experience perspective, Can you think of any examples where that would play out? One thing we should expect is that focalism happens. So that means that as people are making their decisions about how much they liked your experience or whether they're going to go back, they will tend to overemphasize a few bits of information instead of integrating all the information well, like they should. So the things that will get overemphasized are things that are salient, easy to remember, things that make for good stories. So if you're evaluating an experience and one person was rude to you in a a way that is unique and makes for a good story that you could tell people later, that is going to really be overemphasized in your evaluation of the experience as a whole. So if you're managing the experience, look for these attributes that will become the focuses of a person's later evaluation and really improve those aspects of the experience. I wonder whether this is part of the the reason. So you know that we talk a lot about there's a difference between what customers say and what customers do. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm I'm thinking here is that the people that sort of sleep on it and pull that information together and then make a choice in the morning, they may not even realize why they're making that choice. No, I I think that's absolutely true. Inherently, that's going to be more difficult to articulate. Whereas if you've been forced to make a choice, you go back to recruitment or buying the car or whatever else, and the person's gone on about the mileage per gallon, you're probably going to go, yeah, miles per gallon is really important. When actually, it may be the 
the thing that turned you over the edge for that group of people, but the people that slept on it overnight and who have made a decision one way or the other the next morning may not be able to vocalise what they're saying or maybe they even tell you the, the wrong thing because they don't really know it themselves. I, I think that's very insightful. There are a lot of reasons why people do things different or do different things than what they say. And I absolutely think that that's one of, of them. Right? The, the process of justification is going to be very rational. And to the extent that people make more integrative decisions, there's going to be a disconnect forced there. Well, the great thing about this is, and if I was advising a client now on this, I'd be going, test it. Yeah. See what happens. Do some research as well. So A, have one control group that where, where you let the customer sleep on it, another control group where you don't and you carry on doing what you're doing. And then with both of those groups, do a bit of research and go, what, why did you make the choice? Why did you make the choice? And then analyze the results. Again, I think all too often, and I have to say I'm guilty of this, you immediately think it should change everything. Whereas actually what you should just do is do some A-B testing and see what happens. Let me stop you there. And you should add that coda to the end of all of our podcasts. And interestingly, what you're describing here is focalism also, right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm a victim of this too. Like you hear about some new theory, some new study, and we focus on that. We over-focus on that. And you know, just like you said, we think, oh, this thing, this will change everything. When the reality is much more complex. And this is one part of a much more complex system. And we need to integrate all of that information. The point you're making is a point about focalism, which is great. Good. Okay. So let's go back to our usual piece here, which is what is it we think people should do? I've got two pieces of advice. Okay. So one is to recognize the importance of focalism in your customers. So realize that people are going to be overemphasizing certain pieces of information and you might be able to anticipate what those pieces of information are. Things that are easy to remember, easy to articulate, salient or, or available, things that are, are kind of noticeable, all those things are more likely to be focused on in evaluations and decisions. So play to those attributes, make sure that those things are good and not bad. The second piece of information is recognize focalism in yourself. So this is a bias that we all have. And when we think more rationally about something, the bias gets stronger. So Make sure that when you're making a complex decision, something that has lots of moving parts, lots of information, give yourself time to sleep on it. Distract yourself. Get up and go for a walk. Call a friend. I'm not a general advocate of cat videos on YouTube instead of working, but there's a place for them. Go and do something else to get yourself away from this. Occupy that rational part of your brain so that you have the opportunity to integrate more of that information. Yeah, and I think that's really good. And certainly the thing I've learned over the years has been to sleep on it, never make a big decision straight away in the moment. And the power of distracting yourself, as you're saying, and I can certainly suggest things like playing the guitar and going fishing. 
In fact, I've never played the guitar whilst I'm fishing. I think if you're good enough, the fish will just <laughs> jump into your boat. Like it, they'll be so enamored. Absolutely. Two other things I would say. One is definitely test it, okay? And really good point, Ryan, about we suffer from vocalism on the, the podcast because we just focus on these one topic and then we go, oh, that's really great, isn't it? I, d- I don't want to like derail the, your your point here because it's a great one, but as an academic, I wouldn't trust other academics to run a lemonade stand. And focalism <laughs> is the reason because we get so enamored of our little hobby horse theories. We are so narrowly focused in our areas of expertise that we can lose sight of the big picture. Now, within those domains, I, you know, I, I think that we are experts and we, you know, we, we do a good job in understanding these narrow things, but we are just as prone to this as anyone else. And so to, you know, the point that you're making, let me agree with you as strongly as I can test it for sure. Tests don't focalize, tests measure what's actually going on. So I have to say, I don't see organizations testing things enough. Again, it just seems to be either one thing or the other, basically. So test it. The only other piece of advice I would give is go to Amsterdam because it's really quite a lovely place and there is full of cool people. Despite the fact that you're not Dutch, Colin, I think you're, you're <laughs> right about that and mildly interesting as a person. Yeah. Good. Okay. We hope that's been of use to you today and we look forward to talking to you next week. If you can do us one favor, that would be really great. And that is to tell somebody about the podcast. We are always looking to expand our podcast. We've really been pleased with the amount of downloads that we've been getting, but it's always great to see them going up. So just tell somebody about it. We hope today has been of use and we hope to have you back next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.